represents an opportunity to look backward, reflect on what has happened. But then also we're starting to look forward and going, all right, here I am, 2021's kind of going in the distance, and then we're looking at 2022, and you're kind of in this in-between stage of kind of remembering and then going forward. And, and so where's God calling us in this upcoming year? Not just as a church, but you individually, because it doesn't matter where he's calling me to preach the church. You're the church, so where are you going in the upcoming year, right? And so tonight we launch into this series. This series is not only based on biblical principles, but I'll give you a book name because um, I give him credit. Dr. Eugene Wilson, The Difference Maker, is the name of the book. And so I don't want you to think that I'm as smart as he is because I'm stealing a couple things from his book. I'm going to share it with you. And so uh, if you want to dive deeper into this topic, I encourage you to get that book. So we launch week one of the series. The series is entitled Principles for Ministry Success. Now, that does not mean that you need to get a licensed card that says you're a minister and go into full-time ministry. No, we're all called to be ministers. And so ministry is a part of what God has called all of us to do and to be. And so this first message, this first title here this evening, that's the series title. But the week one, I'm going to entitle this The Difference Maker. The Difference Maker. Everyone say this. Say, I am a difference maker. Now, some of you believe that and some of you don't. But I want you all, by the end of this series, to believe you are a difference maker. So say it one more time. I am a difference maker. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for every person who's here, every person tuning in online, people who are struggling with the seasonal flu and cold and the various things going around. I pray that you'd touch bodies right now, clear up sinuses, touch stomachs and fevers, and Lord, all the sickness that is starting to hit at this time of year, I just pray, Lord. Touch the people. Give them strength, Lord, right now, Jesus, and healing. God, help me to just allow you to flow through me, speak through me tonight, so that our eyes and ears and minds would be open to exactly what you are calling us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Many people will wander through life without a sense of divine purpose. Young people who have yet to figure out what they want to do. I read... I remember when I went to college, undergrad, I was at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I was going to go be a dentist, and you know, probably many of you have heard that, and uh, it, it's just, I don't, I, don't, I don't like sciences, so that's not the right profession for you. Um, and so I was like, I read somewhere that the average student changes their major six times. And one of my guidance counselors there, one of the counselors were saying, the days of four-year graduations are gone, and I'm like, oh no. I like y'all, but I am not staying here more than four years, so I have got to figure out what I'm going to do, because I don't want to stay in school for more than four years. So I managed to get out of undergrad and get a four-year degree, and then I went two years to a Bible college, and then like six years to a master's seminary, so somewhere along the line, I changed my mind, I guess. But um, middle-aged adults get caught up in the rat race of, you know, we got to keep up with the Joneses down the street. Uh, I, 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 anybody hear that song, I Want to Go Back by David Dunn? He says, I, I, he, he talks, he sings in that line, and he says something about, I didn't care who the Jones were, I just was happy that they lived next door. And uh, he was talking about, I want to go back to when you're a child. Really, really good song, check it out. 
And so elders in their retirement, they will sometimes be content, you know, piddling with meaningless things or void of true connection with things that matters of, of eternal importance. And so kind of each, each phase of life, you know, there's different challenges and different kind of weaknesses we can slide into if we're not careful. And others seem to be at least aware, though, of God's calling upon their lives, but they struggle to identify their purpose. Like, okay, some are just content to wander. Others go, well, I feel like God's called me, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing or what this looks like or where I should be. And so God has placed things within our hearts, and there's a reason why he placed those things there. There's a desire in you to accomplish things for him. And that's why when you just sit and don't do anything and you go, okay, there's, that's why there's an emptiness there at times. That's why there's a longing to do something of value. That's why there's a longing sometimes where you feel an emptiness of just walking in and punching a time card and putting it back on the, which I don't even think they do that anymore. But, you know, you used to punch the time, and you put it back here, and, you, and then you go and you punch, and you punch out, and you drive home and have dinner and go back and do it the next morning. And, and sometimes you go, God, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I missing something somewhere? And sometimes people will leave church because, Pastors get up and preach messages that make me feel bad, and I already felt bad before I walked in the door, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so God, though, he puts that desire in us to do something and be something and see something in his kingdom. And so, uh, you know, it's, and I, I think it's time for us as a church to go, okay, I'm going into 2022 here in just a month, and, and I want to be everything that God has called me to be. I want to believe in Him. I want to lay hold on my future. I want to seize my God-given potential. I want to step into what God is calling me to be. And even if you're here and you're like, well, man, I've only been here a few times. I, I'm not really sure, you know, where do I fit? Listen, you fit in the kingdom of God. I want you to know if you've been here for, for since the doors opened 50 years ago almost, or if you are saying, you know what, I just walked in 50, 50 some minutes ago, okay? I mean, like, no matter where you are in your journey, there's a purpose for you, and God has you here because he has a kingdom and a community that he wants you to make an impact in. I'm glad that a couple of you believe that with me tonight. The Bible's filled with stories of people who made a difference. Some are well-known, okay? I mean, I don't dare speak about David tonight. Some of you are like, well, what does that mean? Just go back and watch Sunday's message, and it will make sense. Pastor Chad talked about how there was a, there was a uh, resistance to speaking about David. So I'm not speaking about David. He's well known, but some not so well known. But does that matter? Do we need to be in the spotlight with our name to be known? Or is our goal to just make a difference, to walk in God's plan? And see, check out this interesting story from the Bible, 2 Kings 5.1. It says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. And so, at this time, the Aramean uh, raiders had invaded the land of Israel. We hate the raiders, right? I mean, just making sure... And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. And so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. 
Go and visit the prophet, King of Aram told him. I'll send a letter of introduction for you to the king. He says, so Naaman started out and carrying gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. Pretty solid. The letter to the king of Israel said this. It says, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Nothing like getting to the point. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone of leprosy? And he, he said, I can see he's just trying to pick a fight with me. He's already been going, mowing down the enemy. Now he's just going to come take me too. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. He said, Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he'll learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. I love that confidence. See, I, I don't think the Lord makes it clear he hates pride. But I also don't think that the Lord created us to go, no, I'm just, I'm nothing. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm nothing. Peter and John said, look on us. Silver and gold have a none, such as I have given. Rise up and walk. He says, all right, hang on. Just send him to me. He's going to see there's a prophet in Israel. Because when you are called by God, you walk not with pride, but a confidence in, hey, I know the God that I serve. And so I know that at any moment, God can perform miraculous things. And if the church doesn't believe that, what are we doing? We have to be going, God, I know who I am because I know who you are. And so when someone has a need, I want to get to that person who is in need because I know what you can do. And he says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots, waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha, he sent out a messenger to him and said, hey, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Your skin's going to be restored. You'll be healed of your leprosy. Sounds easy enough. Wow. Well, the problem is the Jordan River <laughs> was not the Caribbean Sea or the Maldives or the, or the Bora Bora, okay? It was nasty, disgusting, filthy, murky. And so Naaman got angry and stalked away. I thought he'd certainly come out to meet me. I expected to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord God and heal me. Because sometimes when we bring God our needs, we have an expectation of what he should do, how he should do it, and when he should do it. How do you respond when God has a different plan than your plan? Because he usually does. He says... Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Banna, the, the Farfar, aren't they, they're, they're better than these rivers in Israel. He says, so why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? God could have told him to wash in them. But, you know, God's always got a plan when he tells Noah to build a boat. He tells Abraham about circumcision. He tells us in the New Testament about water baptism, spirit infilling. It might seem crazy to you, and you might think that there's a better way, a different way, an easier way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. God spoke, and his plan is his plan, and it's our calling to obey and align with his plan, not him to align with ours. And so... He says, why shouldn't I wash there and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. This is it. This man, guess what? He still has leprosy. He is getting ready to go home 
with leprosy. He took a trip and brought all these people with him and all these gifts. Never got to meet the prophet in Israel. And he's getting ready to go in his chariot and go back home with his leprosy and live the rest of his life with leprosy. But his officers tried to reason with him. Sir, the prophet told you to do something difficult. Wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, go wash and be cured. So Naaman went to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times. As the man of God instructed him, his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was clean. Naaman's pride almost kept him from a life-altering miracle. Most people will celebrate. We know the, a lot of people know the name Naaman, know the name Elisha. But who's the real hero in the story besides God, of course? Man, how about, how about the girl? That we don't even know her name. Said, I walk with, I, I have confidence in the God of Israel. You need to go see the prophet. She didn't sound like she was like, well, you could. She says, go see the prophet. You'll be healed. What confidence she had. And then he's getting ready to walk away without his life-altering miracle. And some no-named officers go, Naaman, sir, why wouldn't you just go jump in the water and do what you're being told to do? Someone was able to get through to him. So I would argue that the, the hero of the story besides God is not Elisha. It's not Naaman. It's some unnamed people who were willing to step out and have hard conversations or to go out on a limb to say, hey, put your faith in the God of Israel. And I, does, does he make this trip without a servant girl saying, go to Israel, there's a, there's a, there's a God who's alive there. He doesn't. And you see... These were difference makers who to this day are, are just shrouded in obscurity. We don't even know their names to this day. People who changed lives, but they never really got credit for it. And difference makers are people who have aligned themselves with God's plan for their lives. And if you want to be a difference maker, well, what, are, what is your plan for the upcoming year? I mean, is your plan just to... Uh, I haven't been on. I haven't been at a lot of Wednesday night services or missed the week. I'm going to try and come to more. Okay, you should be in church. Great. Maybe God will make a difference in your life. But I'm talking about you being a difference maker. What's your plan? What are you? What are you? What are you planning to do in this upcoming year that says, "Here's who I am now, but I want to make a difference in a life." No matter, maybe that's maybe that's serving in the ministry. Maybe that's getting out and teaching Bible studies. Maybe that's giving more, serving more. What what is it? I, I don't want to just be a person that sits on a pew and enjoys good church. I want to make a difference. And so, for you, what does that look like? What what is your plan for the upcoming year? In the lives of difference makers, they don't just seek glory. Pastor Chad did a great job Sunday talking about the the crown. We're not looking to just get a jewel in the crown because you know what? That he, he did such a masterful job at that. Because as you naturally serve God and serve people, God's so powerful that it's going to just happen. You're going to be a part of great things. It's, it's just going to happen. So those jewels on the crown, eventually you take off that crown that you've been wearing so long. You say, man, that is beautiful. And it is beautiful. Because God's been doing great things in and through your life. 
But if we're not careful, like he said, we start to admire what God has done. And instead of saying, God did this, it was awesome and testifying, I preached and did, I taught kids. And I remember I did this. I prayed with this many people and God healed them. And all of a sudden it becomes about us. And it's hard because no matter who you are, what you say about yourself trying to be humble, there's an element of all of humanity that would like to be in that spotlight. Now, I know some of you, you're going, no, 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 you're just a big mouth that stands behind the pulpit. I'm fine behind the scenes. I do not need, no, do not put me in the spotlight. I do not want to be in the spotlight. But everyone wants their name to live on. Everyone wants to be known as somebody who makes a difference and going, wow, and, and, and you're celebrated. And you can say you don't, you don't, you, uh, that's not me. I disagree with you. I think there's an element of all humanity that longs to be celebrated, appreciated, and maybe even elevated. And now so that we can say, okay, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with understanding the way we work. But I don't want to do things with the purpose of, why didn't anybody notice me? Why didn't anybody say my name in the pulpit? You see, difference makers make God's agenda their personal agenda. So, Lord, because you know what? Some of the people who are the most mightily used of God, when you hear their stories, they've been doing things faithfully behind the scenes for years upon years upon years before they ever got up and God used them in a public setting and where their name was in lights. The Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 7, he says, The end of the world's coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, he says, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now, do we believe the Bible or not? Because I know when I speak to an audience of any size, that there are people here tonight, and this is not like God speaking right now. No, it's just common sense. There are people here tonight, just based on personality, life experience, upbringing, educational status. Like, there's people here that are like, I know I have something to offer. I'm confident in my abilities, and uh, I'm not insecure. Yeah, give me a job, I'll do it well. But there's other people because of upbringing or because of insecurities or because of personal experiences that maybe you're going, I don't have anything to offer. I, I, I failed a lot. I don't, honestly, half the time I don't even feel like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not worthy to serve. I, I just, you don't know my past, my story. It's not, it's not a real good one. But this scripture says God has given each of you a gift. From his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So if you are a Bible believer, then you have to acknowledge that God has gifts that he's given to every one of us that's including you. And he didn't just give you the gift to sit on it. He is saying, I've given you all a gift. And Peter's inspired to say, God gave us all gifts. But we are now called to use them to serve others. And so, 
He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Well, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. That sounds to me like Peter was trying to tell people to exercise their gift with confidence. Again, it's this fine line. That, some people would say, well, that's just prideful. Stand up and speak like God is speaking through. No, a, a spirit-filled child of God should stand up and be able to look people in the eye and say, listen, I know not by my mind, not by my power, but I'll tell you what, by the Spirit of God, God will do it right now. That a spiritual believer will go and look at someone and say, you're sick right now? Do you mind if I pray with you? Because I have so much confidence in the God that I serve that he can flow through my arm right now. That when I lay my hand on your shoulder or grab your hand, that God can perform a miracle right now, right where we're sitting. We, we need to walk with that level of confidence in who we are. And so Peter says, listen, he says, you got a gift to speak. Stand up and speak like God's speaking through you. He says, do you have the gift of helping others? He says, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. See, you don't want to know what your gift is? Well, God is going to make this clear as you step out and you serve and you get in various ministries. I have, I have probably, I've told you this in the pulpit several times, I've probably grown up in a church of 1,500 people. I have probably done everything in the church at some point besides nursery. I have never served in nursery. So, Sarah, if you'll let me, put me on the schedule. i got to be able to say I've done it. So you just got to run my background check, I guess, but... I think I've done everything else. Cleaning, landscaping, serving, speaking, singing, uh, ushering. Uh, I mean, like, children's ministry, student ministry. Like, I've done all of it. And there are certain things that I get up. And I remember when I first preached at our church, big group of people. My dad's like, were you not nervous? I was like, no. God gave me a message to say, and I'm going to get up there and say what he told me to say. But then I would sing specials with a group. And I, I would rather preach general conference in front of 6,000 of fellow ministers than sing a special by myself in front of you here tonight. I'll do it. I can, I can kind of hold maybe a tune or at least get in the neighborhood of that tune. I'll never forget my grandpa. They asked me to sing. He, he loved the song, How Great Thou Art. And uh, they asked me to sing at my grandpa's funeral. I was like, man, I don't know about that, you know. And so we practiced and practiced, and like I sang with some really great singers, and then they had me. It was like them and then me. If you played a game like, who doesn't belong? It was very clear. <laughs> like, circle the odd man out. Yes, that's that guy right there. And we got up, and we were going to sing the song, and, and I'm telling you, now I'm, a, now I'm a little bit better where I wouldn't freak out as bad. But depending on the setting, let me sing a general conference, I'll mess it up. But the song starts, and it's like, oh, Lord, my God, when I am awesome. And then, like, panic set in. And I was, like, trying to find the note on the fly. Because, like, the first note came out so wrong, and I, like, freaked out. I was like, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world. And, like, the people singing are just staring at me, and I'm like, Where do I, what do I do right now? My grandpa was dead, and he probably wanted to sit up and be like, quit singing. 
I mean, like, we got done, and you just like, I just wish I could hit the button and just like go down into the platform. Instead, my pastor got up and like, oh, young Gary's an excellent singer. He called me young Gary because my dad was Gary. He's an excellent singer. He's a, he normally does a really good job. I was like, please just stop talking. <laughs> please just stop talking. Just don't talk. Just please, please. And I went into the restroom. I went in, into a stall pretending I was using the restroom. Just sat there and I was like, God, what just happened? What just, what just happened? Leading worship. Singing specials is not my calling. As if I didn't know that, I was reminded that night. But I can get up and preach, and I'm just confident. And, and the reason I'm confident is not because, well, I'm a very intelligent, eloquent speaker. No, because God speaks to me in prayer and gives me very clear thoughts in Scripture. And so I know he's called me. This is a gift he's given me. And I know that he's called me to stand up in front of people and to deliver the word of God. And I know, not me, but his word will change lives. And so I have so much confidence in that. See, it's fun. Preaching, you, you rely on the anointing of God. Singing, you need talent. <laughs> so I'd rather stay away from the talent stuff and just rely on God. I hear Brother Keith singing. I'm like, that's a man, that dude can sing. But he says, whatever you're doing, do it, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Meaning, hey, you, this is going to take strength. It's going to take energy. God's given you all a gift. Put energy into it. Put your strength into it. And, and it says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. And I love the way he ends because he's saying, speak with confidence. Do this. But, and then he ends, hey. God's getting the glory here, okay? This is, this is about God. It's not about us. I think when I say stand up and do it with confidence, teach with confidence, sing with confidence, preach with confidence, teach Bible studies with confidence, do this, stand up, go reach a lost and dying world and do it with confidence, pray with the sick with confidence. Why? Because God's powerful and we put our confidence in Him. You want to be a difference maker? You got to understand you're called, you have a gift, it's time to put your strength and energy into it and to do it with confidence. The Apostle Paul believes the same thing in Romans 12. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. He says, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Again, he knew who he was. God's given me a privilege, and, he, and I have authority because God's given it to me. He says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Well, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all many parts of a body, but we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Different gifts for doing certain things well. No one does everything well. 
okay? I've met some really talented leaders. I am now serving North American Missions. I get to spend some time with some just mind-blowing men and women of God. I'm so blessed. But even then, even if they say, well, they preach amazing, and they sing amazing, and they, they pastor amazing, but maybe they don't have a gift of organization, or, or maybe, they, they, maybe they don't sing as well, or maybe they can't play that instrument, whatever it is, no one does every single thing perfectly well. But God has always given each of us a gift, and we need to do certain things well. And so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Do you notice something Peter and Paul are both the same on? God's given you a gift. Find what that gift is and do it with confidence. But too often we're like, well, I don't want to be prideful. So when someone says, you sang an incredible song, we're like, oh, brother, no, it's, I'm really not that really not that good. I, I know. I, I, just, I try. I, hey, you, you preached an awesome message. Thank you so much. Glory to God. You sang an amazing song. You're an incredible Sunday school teacher. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. God is good. I mean, that's it. Why? Because you know who you are. That's not pride. You watch that. Now, I'm not saying you should go around, hey, no, have you heard anything? <laughs> But my name is Rich, and I'm the children's ministry director, and I'm probably the best teacher here. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want to do that either. <laughs> Keith, you know, Keith walks up. I don't know. I've been leading worship since the first day. I wish everybody could catch up, you know. I mean, it's tough being the best. I mean, we don't want to walk around like that either. <laughs> the Fosters are like, there's a reason I'm the associate pastor. I'm the most godly man in this place. You know, no, we got we to gotta find the balance of, okay, I'm not going to walk in pride, but I know who I am in Jesus Christ. Because when he died on that cross and shed blood to wash away my sins, he chose to allow me to repent. He put his spirit inside me. He washed those sins away. And he put his spirit and he empowered me to be a difference maker. He empowered me to be a disciple maker. He, empowered, he put certain gifts in me, and I'm going to walk in those gifts. And I'm going to do it with my strength and with my energy. And you know what? If it's guest relations, I'm going to be the best guest relations person I can be. If it's technology, I'm going to be the best technology person I can be. I don't want to just ever just come, well, I'm on the schedule. I'm going to come do this. Yeah, whatever. I don't feel like being here tonight. No, there's going to be times you don't feel like being in wherever you are in ministry. But I need to know, you know what? It's Wednesday night. It's, it's Sunday morning. It's a Tuesday night Bible study. I know that this could be the night where I could pray with the sick and they could recover. This could be the night that someone who's suicidal hears a, a word of hope and all of a sudden their whole life is changed because I prayed with them or I taught them. And you know what? That's not me saying, oh, I know who I, no, 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 that, that's me saying, I have the anointing of God for this very moment to make a difference in someone's life. And so he says, you, you do this, prophesy. He says, if God's given the ability, speak out. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, guess what? That's a gift. I love, I love all people. But I really love encouraging people. People that you just come in contact with. And they just speak things that you're just like, wow. What an encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. 
If God's given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness, then do it gladly. He's just giving examples. It's not limited to these things. But there's no doubt, someone here, you have these gifts. And many of you are, are, are operating. You're walking and you're gifting. But some of you are not, maybe even online. And you say, well, what am I supposed to be doing? So I sit and do nothing because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. No, get out and do something. Go sing at a funeral. If it, if it, if it bombs and you're failure and it's terrible, then maybe that's not your gifting. Keep looking. I know this is very spiritual, you know. Sometimes people are like, I've just been praying and I'm waiting for God. I put the fleece on the ground and I'm waiting for the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry. Because that's in the Bible. Can I tell you something? God can do it, but it's very rare. That God says, put your hand in your bosom. You have leprosy. And, you know, so see this rod in your hand, drop it on the ground, and it becomes a snake, and then you pick it up. <laughs> Many of us at that point be like, I'm good not being called by God. I'm out of here. You know, you know, what, you know most, most common people, you know what happens? You just start serving. You find an area that you get done teaching that Bible study and you saw tears well up in somebody's eyes and you came home and you tell your spouse or your best friend or your pastor, I can't believe this. When I taught the word, I, I, I was teaching and it's like I felt God and, and I was saying things and I watched them respond in their eyes. It, it was so powerful. I can't wait. I gotta, I, next week I'm already praying about my next Bible study and you find, wow, there's nothing that energizes me like teaching a Bible study. Or you start serving in children's ministry, and the kid that comes in, that, that everybody says, oh, that kid, I don't even know, that kid, that, that kid's a real piece of work, I'm telling you. But you just walk up to that kid, and for some reason, that God gives you a burden for that child. And when you see that kid on a Sunday that nobody seems to like or hang out with, and they always seem like they got an attitude problem, but for some reason, you're able to connect to that kid when you kneel down. You say, hey, buddy, how's your week been? And, oh, I don't know, come here. Tell me about it. You put an arm around that kid, and all of a sudden you start to see the kid break through, and, and the tears well up in that child's eyes, and you're going, wow, I, I didn't know that this would be me, and, 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 and oh, I'm sure it wasn't me. No, 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 it is you. God is, is using, he's putting something in you to impact the life of a child. And so we start to find these giftings as we serve, and then we walk, and we don't just say, well, I'm just, no. You are called and anointed for such a time as this to make a difference somewhere. God has never called any believer to not be a difference maker. Never in history. There, every human being, it's rare I can say that in the pulpit, every human being watching online, sitting here tonight, there is not a single soul that God said, I just wanted to save you and get you in a church, and that's it. That's all I got planned for you. God has called every human being to be a difference maker. Might be a difference in a youth, in a child, in a neighbor, in a coworker, in a Bible study setting, in a Sunday school classroom, in a in a in a youth service, in 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 technology, whatever you're doing, guest relations, that you're wherever you're serving, you're doing something that's gonna make a difference somewhere. And not just in the four walls. Difference makers, though, cannot be selfish. They've got to be willing to go, I'm gonna use my gift to make a difference. Because I guarantee you, when you go teach a Bible study, you go do these things, every time you go, 
our Rock Church teachers, special events. I guarantee all the special events this church has, Michelle does not wake up every special event and jump out of bed and go, yes, I get to go work for the special event today. It's going to be awesome. There are times, and there are times she's like, oh, Lord, it's going to be such a long day. She didn't tell me this. I'm just guessing. Most of us here will never have a household name. Most of us here will do the work of the Lord with little fanfare. We will go to music practice, pray for youth, cut out little crafts on Saturday nights, one after another, and put them in bins and take them to children who aren't going to go, I am so moved at the hard work that you've invested in my life. There'll be times you'll try to teach a lesson down there to youth or to children, and you'll be like, I don't even know if they heard anything that I just said. You'll clean the church by yourself. And there'll be times you'll go, I wonder if anybody noticed if I didn't clean this church, man. You'll grab a Bible study chart, and on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, you'll throw it in your back seat and drive off in the dark trying to use a GPS to go to some unknown house and meet some people that you maybe have only spoken to a time or two and you're a little bit nervous about the setting and, and they're going to offer you sometimes weird drinks or food and cats will be crawling on you while you're trying to teach a Bible study and weird stuff's going to happen. And you're going to be sitting there, they're going to ask you questions that you don't have full answers to, and you're going to feel like a failure some of the time. You get in your car, why am I doing this? I don't even know the answer to that question. And nobody's going to know your name. Nobody knows your sacrifice. Nobody knows how much work you're putting in, what you're investing. But God. And God says, I called her. To be a Bible study teacher. And she's doing it. I called him to teach children. And he's doing it. To the best of his ability. With his strength and his might. And his time and his sacrifice. Difference makers determine. That what they're doing. Is never. About them. They know. That one day they're going to hear God say. Well done my good and faithful servant. Well done. And because of your sacrifice, someone else is going to hear that same thing. But nobody in this life is going to know. Like, they might never know. Oh, yeah, well, Andrew taught me this Bible study. And Kevin did this small group. And Leslie prayed with me. And, and Blanca, she brought me food one time. And maybe it's not announced. But you're going to make a difference in someone's life. And one day, I just, I don't know what heaven's perfectly going to be like. But every once in a while, I just imagine somebody walking up to you and going, wow. If it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be here. And that there is enough for me to keep making sacrifices. And Paul writes in Galatians 6, 7, he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's a principle. It's a biblical principle of sowing and reaping. You're going to teach Bible study. I, I taught probably five full 12-week Bible studies before anyone ever made a stand for God. My dad taught one, 
less than one, 30 people there, and like 30 people came into the church. So I assume that'd be the same thing for me. I taught five 12-week Bible studies. One of them I had to, my neighbor came, and then my brother-in-law, Raul, sat in just to help me out. Five full Bible studies. You want to th- I taught Bible studies on campuses where nobody came, and I put up signs everywhere. Some people, you just see that fruit right away. Others, you don't. But you know what? If you just go, there's a law in the Bible of sowing and reaping. And whatever I sow, I know I'm going to reap. But if it's just I want jewels in my crown, I want, I want a peg on my board. No, 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 no. But I know if I keep going, I'm going to make a difference. Someone and someone somewhere. Now, even in this church, we've done so many things in almost 13 years of me being here. I know you did more even before I was here, but I can only reference what I know. And we went to Liberty Fall Fest, and we've sang in things, and we community prayer. We'd go out in teams of two, Hope Fest, hospital outreach and things, first responder service. We have done just everything we can possibly imagine to let the community know we love you, we care for you, we're here. And half the time we would go and we'd say, what are we doing? Um, the specific purpose, we were thanking someone or reaching out to them or praying for them or inviting them. No one came. There was no difference. You're like, oh, okay, well, that was a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of manpower. That was, uh, wow. But you know what's weird is you'd go into Fall Fest and not a single soul from Fall Fest would walk into the church. But the next Sunday, three guests would walk in and go, I was just driving by. You go out in teams of two and you go pray for people in the community and not a single soul would walk into this building. Nobody would contact us and share the miraculous stories. But the following week, uh, two, three families would walk in and say, I just stumbled across your website and, and I just felt like I needed to be here. To me, that's the law of sowing and reaping. That we as a church, maybe all the people you've tried to teach and reach and invite and invest in, you don't see. Wow, I wish some of them would come. I've saved rows for people. And we've had events where you've handed out cards. And you thought, I think I might have three guests and no one shows up. And you're just so discouraged that day. But you're sowing something into a community. You see, God established this principle of sowing and reaping. And I'm just about done. So then it begs the question, what are we sowing? What am I sowing right now? What am I sowing as we roll into 2022? What am I sowing as a person, as a family? What am I sowing? (laughs) I just don't know. God has never put his spirit in someone to not be a difference maker. God is calling every single one of you, and me too. To be a difference maker. Well, I just don't know how. You just start serving. You just start looking for opportunities. Pray with the sick. Teach Bible studies. Get involved in ministry. Do whatever you got to do to say, I am going to do. There is no way I'm going through the next 12 months and not making a difference in someone's life. I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. Whether You can't give someone the spirit of God. But you can kind of force yourself in making a difference. You can make a difference in someone. If you said, in the next seven days, I guarantee you I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. You would do it. You would do it. Because there are so many different ways in which to make a difference. Now, if I said, in the next seven days, I want every one of you to pray someone through to the Spirit. We don't give the Spirit. 
that may or may not happen. But everybody's called to make a difference, to be a difference maker. If I said in the next seven days, determine right now, I will make a difference in someone's life. You absolutely would. So that's who I want to be. Next week in this series, we look at the, the topic of the dead end of self-discovery. The world, of course, you need a journey of self-discovery. <laughs> Let's look at the dead end of self-discovery. But for tonight, as you stand to your feet, the journey to your calling begins with alignment. What do I mean by that? Our lives must align with his word. Our lives must align with his purpose. And we must be willing to stay the course no matter what the journey brings. Why? Because hear me, difference makers don't walk easy roads. I mean, if you just thought like I was going to go out and buy a candy for that little kid and just, wow, I make their day. I was going to go out and walk into Walmart and be like, is anybody here thinking about committing suicide? Don't. Jesus loves you. And just call it a day. And it's just going to be easy. You're just going to go out and just handle it and boom and make a difference. No, difference makers sometimes. Like I said, you're cutting out crafts on a Saturday night for kids that aren't even listening. And you're going, what am I doing here? Because different ma difference makers walk hard roads and it's consistent roads that say, I am determined to make a difference. I'm not just going to teach one lesson of a Bible study. You know when you become, my dad always said this, you know when you become a soul winner? Not when you have your first convert or first person from your Bible study comes to church or any of that. He says, you become a soul winner. My dad always said this. You become a soul winner when you decide that I'm going to teach Bible studies for the rest of my life and never stop. You are officially a soul winner at that point. Because God's word, it says, it will not come back void. So if I am making a decision for the rest of my life, I'm going to teach people the word of God. I am a difference maker because I made that decision. And there's going to be times I don't feel like going. I don't feel like it's worth it. I don't feel like anybody's listening. I don't feel like I am making a difference. And then, I, and then that's where you start to think about stopping. But when you say, no, I am going to do this and I am never going to stop doing this. You're a difference maker. And so who are you? What will you be? How will you influence? These questions will only be answered by the principles of life that guide you. What values guide you? What sacrifices are you willing to make? Whose will guides your daily decisions? Because right now, God is speaking to someone. I take that back. God is speaking to everyone. It's rare that I can say that. Because we are all called to be difference makers. And whatever your area is, do it with all your strength, with all your might. Make that decision tonight. I invite you to find a place to pray. This is a very personal message between you and God to where you can say, God, 
I don't want to just sit on a pew. I don't want to just wonder what you're calling me to be. God, I want to make a difference. God, I want to invest in someone's life. I might not know today whose life that is, but please make it clear. And, it, and, and if you're not going to right away, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to start doing things. I'm going to serve somewhere. I'm going to start reaching to people, praying with people. I'm going to start doing something until I find what you're calling me to be. I invite you to find a place to pray right now. Jesus, oh God, help us. You have called us all to be difference makers. God, you've called us to make impact in lives, Lord Jesus, in our community, our friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. God, help us. Lord, help us, Jesus, to not just sit down and be insecure and say, I don't know who I am. What value do I bring? No. Every one of us has been given a gift. Help us to figure what that gift is and to walk in that gift and to walk in that gift with confidence, Jesus, that says, I know who I am in you and I'm, and I'm going to see great things, not just because I'm great. No, because I serve a great God. Help me tonight, Jesus. Help my unbelief.